Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read from verse 14 through to verse 17 together. Once you get there, if you would stand with me this morning, we'll all read the Word of God together. Matthew chapter 9, we're going to read from verse 14 through to verse 17. Once you're there, if you stand with me, then we'll all read it audibly together. We stand to honor the reading of God's Word. Praise the Lord. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 14. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast off, but thy disciples fast not? Jesus said unto them, And the children of the bride chamber mourn, as long as the bridegroom is with them. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. No man put a piece of new cloth under an old garment, for that which is put into the world, take it from the garment, and the remnant is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine will fight, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Pray, Lord, for your help, for your anointing. Lord, would you speak to our hearts afresh this morning? Lord, would your name be lifted up in this house and across every place where your word is proclaimed. We pray that you would anoint it, that hearts would be changed, lives would be transformed by the power of your word. We need you, Lord. We need the Holy Ghost more than ever. Oh, God, we pray, help us this morning. Lord, we cannot do it of ourselves. We are mere men, and the arm of flesh will fail us. But, oh, God, we pray that you would anoint thy word. Glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's take our seats together. Praise the Lord. We're going to speak this morning on the reaction of faith. The reaction of faith. Uh, We know that the Bible tells us that we live by faith in Hebrews Chapter 10 and verse 38, it says, Now the just shall live by faith. We also know that we walk by faith. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. And so we also know that there is the eye of faith that we see by faith. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 18, says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We see beyond the natural. We see beyond what we see. And that is through the eyes of faith. Then there is the reaction of faith. Faith reacts. You know, we're in we're in an awesome day. We really are in an awesome day. I don't believe we can underestimate the days that we're living in in any way we shouldn't. We are living in awesome days, exciting days. We're living in tremendous days of great challenge and change, but these are exciting days. For the church of Jesus Christ. But we're living in a time where there needs to be a reaction of faith. 
in many respects over the past while we have seen just the church really forsaken much of what we understand to be the old paths or the old ways, the ancient landmarks. It has also forsaken much of its great and precious truths. I know some might feel here's another doom and gloom message. It's really not. We're just living, it's, it's a message of reality to the times that we're living in. And much of the great and the precious truths have been exchanged for intellectualism in the church and also for charisma, which are temporal, which make no impact at all on the kingdom of darkness. And we have changed all of what we understand in Scripture to be the preaching of the gospel under the unction and the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost with signs and wonders following for a form, for a religious form, maybe even well presented and even greatly communicated, but we have forsaken the old path. In Isaiah chapter 59, if you turn with me this morning, I just want to share, leave the Lord as Put this on my heart. I'm praying for his help this morning just to to bring it to you. But in Isaiah 59, Isaiah the prophet really outlines where I believe that we are. In verse 12 he says, Our transgressions are multiplied before thee. Our sins testify against us. Our transgressions are with us, and as for our iniquities, we know them. In transgressing and lying against the Lord and departing away from our God, speaking oppression and revolt, conceiving and uttering from the heart words of falsehood, and judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off, and truth is fallen in the street, and equity cannot enter. Yea, truth faileth, and he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. And he saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore his arm brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness had sustained him. We are living in an hour where the sins of the nation are multiplied before the face of God and they testify against the nation the sins that we're we're currently committing. We've reached the point in the time that we're living in that we're, we're at the point again after some 500 years that actually we need another reformation. Sadly, truth has fallen in the streets. We need a fresh reformation of the truth of the scripture, of the preaching of God's word. We need men and women armed with nothing else but the word of God and the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. We have everything else. We have every form. We have every Uh, facility, we have every tool, modern tool at our disposal, 
But what we need more than ever is the power of God and the word of God preached and proclaimed. We have come to a point where we need a reformation. That might seem strange language to some because we are still living in the blessings of a reformation that took place 500 years ago. But the truth has fallen. The truth has fallen. The word of the Lord in the time of Josiah was hidden in the house of the Lord. It was in the house, but it was hidden. The power of it, the truth of it, the effect of it, it was hidden. And in 2 Chronicles 34 and verse 14, there was a man called Hilkiah the priest. He found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. He gave it to Shaphan the scribe. And he says, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. The truth was even hidden in God's house. And Helkiah delivered to Saphon and he, the scribe, told the king. And he read it before the king. And when the king, listen to this, when the king heard the words of the law, he rent his clothes. He humbled himself. He realized that the word of the Lord that had been hidden all of a sudden became a reality in his heart. And he rent his clothes and he cried out to God. And God heard his cry. There was a king where the word of the Lord found a place in his heart and had an effect. It was hidden in the house of the Lord. And the king reacted. There was a reaction of faith in the heart of the king. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And it's not just with the hearing of these ears, it's the hearing of the heart. And so we can constantly hear the preaching of the word or read the word, but when the word penetrates into the heart of a man or a woman, when that heart is broken and soft and tender, and we receive that by faith, faith reacts to the word of God. There is a lack of reaction with all the preaching with all the missions, I thank God for them and continue to do them. But what we need to pray for is a reaction to faith. Amen. This reaction often, it seems random, but it's not random. It seems unplanned, but it's not unplanned. It seems that it's outside of what we'd understand the box or outside the realm of the normal. But suddenly something happens in the heart of a man or a woman or men or women. And there's a reaction in the realm of faith and in the spiritual dimension. And they rise up, not in their own flesh or their own strength. But they rise up in faith in an awesome and an almighty God. And God responds mightily on their behalf. Things begin to happen. Chains begin to break. Lives are transformed simply because they may have heard it a million times, but suddenly it just drops into that heart and they react. They react with faith and suddenly the supernatural power of God happens. That's what happens when you're born again. 
The church is in great need, listen, of a reformation. That might seem strange with all our statements of faith, including ours, because we don't have it all. Our statements of faith, our structures, our government structures, our activities and everything else. And I'm not against those. What I'm saying is we have all of that. We have everything. But we're actually in need of a reformation. With so many precious truths no longer believed. And if they are believed, they're not even practiced. It's easy to put them on a piece of paper. It's easy to say that this is what I believe, but it's another thing to operate and function in the fullness of what we say we believe in. We believe in a God that can do anything. We believe in a God that does the impossible. We believe in a God that distributes the nine gifts of the Holy Ghost into the body of Christ. But the function, the manifestation... The operation of these gifts. He has given nine gifts of the Spirit into the body of Christ. They're a gift from God. God has given us gifts, ministries, into the body of Christ. But friends, we need to see the function and the operation of those gifts. If you arrived at my door with nine gifts, I'd say, Tim, I want to bless you with these nine gifts. And I said, Thanks, but no thanks. You would be offended. But we're talking about the gifts of the Holy Ghost that he's, he's given into the body of Christ. And we believe in the gifts. But it's not enough to believe in the gifts. We need the operation of the gifts. We need to see again, not just the speaking of tongues, but we need to see again the gift of faith. The gift of miracles, the gift of healings, operating the gift of wisdom, operating in the church of Jesus Christ. It's easy to say they're not for today. It's easy to put it into a box and say we don't believe in them. They finished 2,000 years ago with the last apostle, even though that's unbiblical. It's easy to say that we'll just slide them out from our belief structure. But friends, how we need a reformation of the truth of God's word. We cannot keep presenting God with the same old religious bottle or the same old religious garment and ask him, fill this. The new wine never changes. It's still the same. That's the blessing of the Holy Ghost. But we can't say, Lord, here's our religious structure. Would you fill it with the new wine? Jesus said, can the bride chamber, can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bride is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them. And then shall they fast. No man putteth a new piece on an old garment. For that which is put in to fill up taketh from the garment, and the, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine in old bottles. Either the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine in new bottles. And what we need, friend, is not a new thing in the sense of trying to do something different. What we need is a fresh, 
consecration of our lives. We need a fresh circumcision of our hearts. And we need to come and we need to say, God, this morning, we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We need the new wine. And so, so often, some become disappointed because what we're asking God to fill or what we're asking God to do is just patch up the old garment. Just put a patch on this for Just help me along another couple of days. And he's saying, I'm not going to patch up your garment. I'll give you a new garment and a new life. And we come with bottles that are broken and weary and tired. And we say, oh God, would you fill us with your new wine? But it has to be a new bottle. It has to be all on the altar. It has to be laying our lives down, taking up our cross, and there's the new wine. There are moments in the history of the church that it looks like, if you know the history of the church, that God, it looks as though he nearly started all over again. He bypasses often the great and the outwardly splendid to find the simple and the humble and the broken at heart and a true seeker and an intercessor and comes upon that fragile soul by the power of the Holy Spirit and breathes and births a new thing in that life. If you don't believe that, friends, just study church history for a moment. <clears throat> it was the Roman Emperor Constantine around 313 A.D., which made a new Christianity in the religion, in the Roman Empire, sorry, he, as he adopted Christianity, and in some ways you could say that he was probably the first pope. I know they say, they say it was Peter, it wasn't Peter, it was probably in reality Gregory or Leo or one of those ones, but really Constantine was the one that birthed birth this new Christianity. It dropped us in, listen carefully friends, because sometimes we, we just get so narrow in just where we are, but it plunged us in to 1,000 years of the dark ages, 1,000 years, through popes, bishops, priests, Satan ruled Europe, biblical Christianity became illegal. Now you might think that's terrible, but that was years ago, Tim. I want to tell you something, that the spirit of Antichrist that is working at this minute is seeking to make this Christianity illegal. And if you don't see that, if you don't understand that, whether you're going to believe that or not, that is actually what's happening right now. We're on the verge of being plunged into, again, a time like the Dark Ages. In 1517, there was a man, as we know, called Luther, that penned a message. What about this for a title? The Disputation on the Power and Efficacy of Indulgences, also known as the 95 Theses. He took them in 1517, on the 31st of October, what a day that was, that's my wife's birthday as well, and he went and he nailed those theses to the castle of Wittenberg, and in that man, as he reacted in faith alone, in God alone, a reformation burst across Europe, and Europe became...
became alive with the power of God. It was a reaction of faith. It wasn't a denomination as much as they were known as Protestants back then in the real sense of the word. But there was a reaction in this man's heart by faith. Somebody got up. Somebody said no. Somebody got to the altar and interceded and cried out and said, God, no. The reaction of faith must be faith and not the flesh. And the method is as important as the reaction. It must be spiritual and not carnal. Peter reacted when they came to arrest the Lord. Didn't he react? And he pulled out a sword and he took a man's ear off. He reacted in the flesh and he acted carnally. And the Lord said, put away your sword. That's not my fight. The Bible says that we walk that we walk, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God that are pulling down of strongholds. Amen. There's a reaction. I don't know about you, are you reacting in faith? You know, twice this week I got a couple of WhatsApp messages through. One of them was the cream egg advert about these homosexuals kissing and celebrating 50 years. I don't know about you, friends, but there was a reaction in my spirit. I reacted, not just because I believe that's wrong, I know it's wrong, but in the spirit, deep in your heart, in your soul, way deep down into somewhere that no one can understand, only another believer, there was a reaction. My God, what are we going to there was a reaction when Sister Sandra sent through that advert for what is TK Maxx and their homeware and, and celebrating Easter. All hot, but no cross. There was a reaction in your spirit. I'm sure if you've seen it, there was a reaction. I'm like, my God, how dare they do that? This is a Christian nation. This is what we declare. This is what we believe. This is who we are. We're Christians. And our fight is not a carnal fight. It's not a physical fight. But there is a fight, believer. There is a fight, believer. There is a fight. But my God, where has the fight gone? Many will not think much about it. And I'm talking about many in the church. Will not give it a second thought. It will not disturb them. It will not waken them because they have a name that they live, but yet they're dead. And they're presenting old bottles to God. Old denominational titles, whether it's Pentecostal, whether it's Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian or Free Presbyterian. Lord, we're presenting our old bottles and God's not interested. One of the great reactions of faith in that Old Testament is a story so well known. We miss the reality and the reaction of faith. We see a young man called David bringing his lunch for his brethren 
walking along the banks of the trenches of all the great men of war of Israel, lying in the trenches of fear and unbelief. Friends, our trenches in Ulster are filled, filled with fear and unbelieving men and women, filled with them. But God's looking someone, some man or some woman that comes and doesn't see the fear or the unbelief, but believes in an almighty God. He said, who is this Philistine? What was that? That was a reaction. That was a reaction in the heart of a shepherd boy. That was a, a reaction in the heart of a young man when all the mighty men with all the armor of Israel lay in the trench. A shepherd boy came and reacted in faith. Oh God, give us a few more shepherd boys like David. There was a grandson, a young man, the grandson of Aaron. In Numbers chapter 25, it tells us there at that time that Israel had gone after the, the god Baal Peor. And that would be a, worth a study into that wicked god. But I'll tell you the similarities to where we are today. To what they got involved in with that wicked God that they went after. And they got so brazen, there was no shame in sin. There's no shame. There's nothing shameful about sin anymore. When I was growing up as a lad, down in Beaver Park, you know, at that time, and this is not just about getting at people. Trust me, it's not. But you know, it was known that Beaver Forest was a place where men would go and hide their sin in the forest. That's what it was known for, isn't that right, Stephen? It was known for a place they'd shamefully go and do their wicked deeds, hiding in the forest. I want to tell you something, they're not hiding in no forest today. And shamelessly here there was a man that brought a a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses, verse 6 of Numbers 25, and in all the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. My God, where is the tears? And when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, do you know what happened? Brent, you know what happened? He rose up. There was a reaction of faith in his heart. He got up. Someone got up from among the congregation and he took a javelin in his hand and he went in after the man of Israel into the tent and he thrust both of them through and the man of Israel and the woman through her belly and the plague was stayed because there was a young man, a grandson of Aaron brought up in the heritage of the gospel. He got up. And those that died in the plague were twenty and four thousand. Do you know what the psalmist says about this? Turn over to Psalm 106 and verse 28. We need to hear this. Psalm 106 and verse 28. It says, They joined themselves also on the Beopior at the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions, and the plague break in upon them. Then it says in verse 30, Then stood up Phineas 
and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed. Listen to verse 31. And that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. God counted that to that young man as righteousness. The faith of this young man, the faith, there's a reaction. There's a reaction of faith in the heart of a, of a man or a woman or a young person that rises up in faith, not in the flesh, not in the arm of flesh, not in the method or the carnal means, but in the faith of God that's in his life. And he rises up with that faith and God undertakes and God accounted it to righteousness for that young man. Four lepers lay at a gate in 2 Kings chapter 7. There was an awful famine. It was dreadful. Read about it in the previous chapter. They were eating their own children. It was so bad. That's how bad the famine got. They were eating their own children. There was an awful famine and four men, lepers, lepers, listen, lepers, just lay at the gate. And they said to one another, here's something's happening. Something of faith is happening in their hearts. Why sit we here until we die? Surely there's, there's something across the body of Christ, across, I believe there is, across the denominations, across Ulster and across this island. I believe there's a people that, that all around them there's a famine and there's like a leprosy. But there's, there's something in their hearts and they're saying, do we sit here, do we die? Do we just go through the motions of religion? Do we just keep going in this dead and drab and death of religion and death all around us? Or do we get up? Yeah. And they say, why sit we here? Do we die? If we go into the city, there's a famine. We'll die there. If we stay where we are, we're going to die. If we just sit and stay and don't move and just go through it all, we'll die where we are. But let us go forth. Let us go in, even to the enemy's camp. And friends, once those boys rose up with faith in their hearts, and they went in, the Lord, it tells us, it says, listen to this, and verse 5, and they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians, and when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp, behold, there was no man there, for the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots, a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. There's more for us than there be against us. Simply because they says we'll get up. They just rose. They reacted in faith. And what a spoiler was. Or what about the two men of faith. Who were encountering the powers of darkness. As they opposed them. As they sought to build the house of the Lord. Turn over to Ezra chapter 4. And we see there. As the enemy sought to weaken them. And to trouble them. And to frustrate them. That's what the Bible says. In Ezra 4 and verse 4, it says that the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah. It says that the, that the people were troubled in the building. Ezra 4 and verse 4. And then in verse 5 it says, And they hired counselors against them what to do to frustrate their purpose. Let me tell you, friends, what, what I see. I see hands being weakened. I see people being troubled. I see the purposes of God being frustrated. 
And now I see that in the lives even of some people that are sitting here this morning. You can see it. And verse 24 says that this that then ceased the work of the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem. They closed the work down. So it ceased under the second year of the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. But if you turn into chapter 5, it opens with this. Then the word of the Lord comes. You see, friend, you're listening this morning. Then the word of the Lord comes. The prophets Haggai, these two men, and Zechariah began to prophesy unto the Jews that were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, even unto them. And when they began to prophesy, what was happening? The word of the Lord was starting to enter into their hearts. What happens? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by God's word. The word of the Lord was fine. They were frustrated by the enemy. They were weakened by the enemy. They were troubled by the enemy. But then God sends his word. And when the word of the Lord began and the prophets began to prophesy unto the Jews, then it says in verse 2, when the word came, it says, Then rose up Zerubbabel, the son of Shetiel. Then rose up Jeshua, the son of Josedach. And what did they do? They began to build the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And with them were the prophets of God helping them. What were the prophets doing? They were bringing the word of the Lord. And faith reacted. And they began to build. Listen brothers and sisters. Why should we rise up? Why should there be a reaction of faith? Why as we're entering into a week of prayer. Should we rise up and make prayer a priority? That we should set everything aside. That we should put our houses in order. That we should seek God with all of our hearts. That we should shut out everything of this world. That we should fast these bodies. Why should we do it? Why should we do it? Well, I want to show you why we should. I want to show you where we are. Because there's something else that's rising. And it's rising rapidly. And why the church is unaffected seemingly at this time. And why it seems that most are happy just to sit and not react and go through the motions. There's something else that's rising on a rapid scale. Whatever your end times <coughs> theology is, what is happening before us, if you have eyes of faith and you have an open heart and a Bible, you'll see it. In Revelation chapter 13, we read in this great chapter of two, two things that rise up. Both of them are known as beasts. The first one found in Revelation 13 and verse 1, John says, I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. I saw a beast. What was it doing? Rise up. I want to tell you what's happening. There is a beast. This beast of revelation is on the rise. And I know there can be great debates about end times. 
And rather than put ourselves into a box or a label of what we are or where we fit into it all, I just want to tell you what the Word of God says. There's a beast, and he's rising up out of the sea. And this beast, friends, may have lay dormant for a few hundred years, but now he's on the rise. You know, after the Reformation of 1517, within a very few short years, how many people know the devil doesn't play dead? Within a few short years, there was a movement that was created. It's called the Jesuit Order. Sadly, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. But I encourage you, believer, to look into these things and, and, and know a wee bit of your history. I don't know a lot, but but this order was created by a Spanish soldier turned monk, took three vows, a vow of poverty, a vow of obedience, chastity. And then there was an extra vow that they obey the Pope's orders and whatever he would tell them to do and by whatever means. They were responsible for what was called the Counter-Reformation. That might mean very little to some, but that simply meant that on the record, we know today that simply hundreds of thousands of born-again believers were slaughtered by the Counter-Reformation. I mean tens of thousands of our fellow brothers and sisters to quash the truth being proclaimed. Today, Europe has simply, not by sword, but by deception, by wickedness, has simply walked back in to Egypt, the Egypt that it was once delivered out of. Most of Europe lies in chains and darkness. The Europe that once seen the Great Reformation break across its shores and across the world has simply walked straight back into it. Well, that's Europe, Tim. We're in Northern Ireland. Let me tell you something, friends, this morning what's happening. In the evangelical church, the evangelical stroke Pentecostal stroke charismatic church, without sword, without persecution, but by deception, large parts of the church today have joined arms and has walked straight back in to the Rome and the Roman system it was once delivered from. Now, let me say it, and I always say it because it's important. If you think this is something to do with flying a flag or painting your curbs or building your bonfires, I did all that, but thank God I'm saved from it all. It's nothing to do with that. We have seen recently... I didn't watch it, but I heard this, and it was enough. In the inauguration of President Biden, there was a Jesuit priest that prayed. I didn't hear it, and I don't want to hear it. And also a demon-possessed leading so-called world entertainer called Lady Gaga sang. That tells you everything. If you can't see enough in that, that, I don't know where we are spiritually, but if you can't see, that's enough. Yeah. 
to run a million miles and to know that's not of us. I don't know what you need. We're living in an awesome day. Large parts of the evangelical church endorse and now have fully recognized in word or by deed or by action the Pope as the head of the church. Rabbi Zacharias, who many know, who was lauded as the great apologist and intellectual for the Church of Jesus Christ, was part of the ecumenical movement. He was a keynote speaker along with the Pope back in 2016, Pope Francis, who is a Jesuit, back in 2016 at the Together Conference. Listen, friends, light and darkness don't mix. It comes as no surprise when we begin to see the unraveling of the wickedness and the darkness. What's happening is, friends, there's a beast rising up out of the sea. In verse 7 of Revelation 13, it says it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Well, the saints have to be here for you to have a war with them. And who are the saints? Praise the Lord. Put your hand up if you're a saint. Don't be ashamed to be a saint this morning. Praise once we were sinners, but now we're saints. But he's going to make war with the saints. He overcome them. Power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, and nations, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. His names, the people that worship him, here's the important thing, whose names are not written in the book of life. Is your name written in the book of life? Well, I tell you something, praise the Lord. The Bible says you're not going to worship him. The one we worship, his name is Jesus. He's the Lamb upon the throne. And forever we will worship him and worship him alone. You see, if your name's not in the book, listen to me. You'll worship, you'll worship this beast and this image. And the Bible says, if any man has an ear, let him hear. In other words, if you hear this, there'll be a reaction of faith. In verse 11, it says that there's a second beast. And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb. This beast, of course, coming like a lamb, will bring much deception. Does anybody know that we're living in a world that's filled with deception? He exercised all power of the first beast before him. He causes the earth and them that dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he make us fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And he deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of the miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, They should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. He had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. We're going to face persecution. And he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. 
they listened carefully. And that no man might buy or sell, save he had the mark. Could you ever have seen a day? Could you ever have imagined? I certainly know I never did as a boy when I heard this preached. That there would be even the thought, now listen carefully, even the thought, even the remote possibility. And this isn't a message about the vaccine, by the way, but the system. Listen carefully, the system. Don't get distracted. The system. Could you ever imagine a day, even the remote possibility, even remotely, that you wouldn't be able to enter a restaurant unless you have an app or some form of digital recognition that you've had a vaccine? Could you ever imagine that that even would be talked about? This is not about the vaccine, by the way. This is about the system. Don't miss out on what's happening. Don't miss what's happening. There's a system that's rising and being created right now, in place, ready to go. And at the minute, what is happening is that the Antichrist behind it all is creating a system. This isn't it. But the system is going to be in place very quickly. And very soon you'll be in a place where that no man might buy or sell, save he has the mark. How far away do you think this is? Or the name of the beast, or the name of his name. The vaccine, listen carefully, is not the mark of the beast. Listen very carefully, friends. It is not the mark of the beast. The system that's being created is an antichrist system. Listen carefully. And that beast is rising rapidly. Rapidly. Scattered across these pages of this precious book are accounts of individuals that reacted to impossible circumstances. There was a reaction, there was a spark, something was ignited in them that caused them to rise up. Caused them to react in faith. Some things are divinely ordered in God that will be fulfilled and no amount of praying will change that because he's written in his word. You understand that? We'll not change the fact that there'll be an antichrist. We'll not change the fact that there'll be an increase of wickedness. We'll not change the fact that men will wax worse and worse. We'll not change the fact of the last days to be a rise of such wickedness that the world has never seen before. But brothers and sisters, there's a reaction of faith in the heart of the believer that rises up in the last days because God had said that the latter shall be greater than the former. What is that? That is a church, a triumphant church that comes out of this warfare 
of this battle that we're in that rises up in these last days not on anything else but faith alone in Jesus Christ and proclaims the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ under the unction and the power of the Holy Ghost. There's a reaction for the most part. There's a sleep. There's a death. There's an apathy. There's a, a being engulfed in religiosity. Being engulfed in our denominationalism. Being bogged down with our traditions. And Jesus says, listen, there's new wine. But don't bring me the old bottles or the old garment. Have a fresh consecration in your heart and come to me afresh, afresh, with a fresh circumcision and present yourself. But there's the new wine, even in the midst of it all. You see, friends, there's a real warfare. This beast makes war. Know what the Bible says? The Bible says it makes war. Who with? The unregenerate? No. Who with? The sinner? No. Who with? The government? No. They inspire the governments. They make war with the saints. I've got great news this morning. But we overcome. Because the Lamb has overcome. Friends, listen this morning. Is there a reaction? Is there a reaction to all of this? It seems as though we are nudged along slowly. Our system just seems to go along. Everyone seems to just go along with it. We've become numb. We're no longer shocked. Was anybody shocked? I don't know how many people seen these things or heard of these things. Were you shocked? What's happening is we've become normalized to wickedness, normalized to sin, normalized to these things. Are you shocked? Does it move you? If you're cold or backslidden in heart or indifferent or caught in religiosity, is there anything within you this morning that goes, my God, I need to waken up out of this. I need to rise up. Is there a David? Is there an Esther? Is there someone that will rise up and react? Say, I'm not going to live like this. I'm not going to stay in this place of death and apathy. I am going to live for Jesus. Friends, there's a reaction of faith. There's a reaction of faith. There's a reaction. That only happens when the word, when the word goes beyond the grey matter, goes beyond the wheels that are all turning in a mind, but drops into a heart that's opened by God. And when the word drops into an open, soft heart, there's a mixture of faith and an incorruptible seed, and there's a reaction. This is a reaction the sadness will never work out because it's a miracle. You know, an old man said this week, an old man called David Attenborough, God bless him, God save him. God save him. Open. Wouldn't it be wonderful that God would open this man's eyes? We'd just open his eyes. You know those programs, you just have to turn the volume down and enjoy the pictures because you keep hearing this billions of years ago. 
Fuck David. Give us a break. He's just blind. You know what I'm saying? I'm simple enough to believe it, friends. He's just blind and lost. He needs the Lord. But here he coming this week, and we're facing the calamity of all calamities. If we don't do something, you know what's coming next, friends. Let me tell you something. You know what's coming next. There'll be no more bonfires in the back garden. There'll be nothing. Your diesel cars are gone. You'll be back on horseback in about no two years. It's going to be awful. Listen, and they're going to charge you. They're going to tax you. They're going to have everything. Our car tax, our cars, 14 years old, 180,000 miles. We burn holes in that ozone like nothing else. But listen, listen, listen to me, friends. This is what's coming next. They're going to shackle this whole nation. Listen, this is about oppression. This isn't about climate change. This is an antichrist system. People think I'm nuts, but listen, the taxes for this are going to go through the roof. Listen, they're going to, you'll not be able to eat beef. Bible tells us about this. You'll not be able to have your meat. You'll not be able to have your steak. You'll be eating rabbit food all the rest of your life. They'll do everything to just, listen, you know what this is about? They're going to control your life. They're going to control your home. They're going to tell you where you can go, what you can buy what you can have in your home, what you can eat, what type of fuel you can put in your car, what type of car you can have. <coughs> you think that's far away. I'm going to tell you, friends, it's here. Yes. You know what all that is? That's an antichrist system that's bringing shackles in this nation. Is there a reaction of faith to believe God? A reaction. Oh, God, we present to you today not an old bottle, but a new bottle. Amen. The wine's never old. Yeah. It's never old. It's a new wine. It's the Holy Ghost. Lord, fill us. Meet with us this week. May this be a week of prayer like we've never had before. May prayer be made. May there be a reaction. May there be a reaction. We need to pray. Father, this morning we ask for your help. We ask, Lord, in this house, O oh God, that, Lord, your word would find a place, would find a place in hearts. And, Lord, not only would it find a place, but there would be a reaction. There would be a faith that would rise up and believe, to believe God for our homes, to believe God for our children, to believe God for our nation, to believe God for our land, to believe God for a mighty outpouring of your spirit. Oh God, this morning we pray, have mercy on us and forgive us for what we have made it, that truth does lie in the streets. It has fallen. Our sins testify against us. Lord, we have racked up sins against us as a nation. Lord, your people, we, your people, Lord, we, Lord, have played religion for years. Oh, God, we've run up and down streets beating drums and we've gone nowhere. Lord, we're asking by the power of the Holy Ghost that you would take your word and plant it in our hearts and there would be mixed with faith to believe God for that which is impossible. For sons, for daughters, for the body of Christ across this land, have mercy 
and awaken us. Oh, awaken us, Lord. Lord, may we not just have words on a piece of paper and what we believe, but may we live it. May we see the fullness and the manifestation of it. Lord, in our own lives, in my life, in all our lives. Oh, God, we're asking, Lord, for this week of prayer, in the name of Jesus, meet with us. May the wind of God blow into this upper room. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we would, Lord, truly, Lord, through prayer and on our knees, Lord, may we take much ground. And Lord, may there be a prance through, and may there be the hush of heaven, Lord, that comes down over this place. Lord, prepare our hearts, Lord. Prepare us as we come, Lord. Lord, may we get ready in the home. May we get ready, Lord, before your throne, Lord. May we get ourselves focused. Lord, we we shut out everything that would hinder. Lord, protect us, Lord, even from the wicked one that would seek to divide and to get in and to frustrate the purposes of God. Lord, to weaken us, Lord, or to trouble us this week, Lord. We know when we set ourselves, Lord, that that old thief would seek to come. But, Lord, would you cover every home and every life? Oh, Lord, would we come... Will we come, Lord, will there be a great drawn by your Spirit that draws to that throne of grace? Oh, God, pour out your Spirit, Lord. Pour out your Spirit in these days. For your people across this island, Lord, we're believing for a mighty Holy Ghost outpouring. Lord, for those that Gideon army, Lord, we pray, Lord, that the pictures would be broken. And the light would shine brightly in this dark age. Would it shine ever brighter for Jesus? Lord, may we see great victory, Lord, in our lives and in our homes. Oh, Father, I pray, Lord. Lord, would you come meet with us? We pray in the name of Jesus.